if there's going to be extra content or if it's just like literally going to be it's kind of like an upgraded in terms of like graphics and stuff like that um remake of, of the first two games what else like oh there's a new metroid game coming out it's a 2d um platform or some more of the metroidvania nice type deal and then oh they're also do you remember like the super mario game and watch that came out like last year yeah um, yeah don't you have one well they're yeah 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 uh they're coming out with a zelda one but the zelda one you can play like you know the original legend of zelda legend of zelda 2 i think link's awakening oh, and yeah. then maybe one of the oracle games cool uh so that's that, awesome. so that, that'd be pretty cool yeah that's so cool man yeah the uh the sequel to breath I'll of the world you. that's exciting news i hadn't heard that well uh, yeah uh, I didn't really look, watch the trailer. I just saw that like it was coming out. Um, I was gonna go, you know, circle back to our field trip. It would not be to an underwater aquarium, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know yeah. if if there is one. Um, I definitely do not want to go to it. But uh, if there isn't one yet, I kind I kind of would be interested in helping to design it uh that's actually did you see in the um common room i put in a bunch of ben's suggestions for uh western rpg territory did you see that uh i i read some of them i didn't see so i yeah i saw plant yeah planescape never heard of that uh, elder scrolls i've heard of that Deus Ex, I've heard of that. I don't actually know what it is. Uh -huh. System Shock 2, don't really know what that is. Transistor, don't know what that is. I do know what LA Noir is. Uh, Cultist Simulator is more of a simulation than RPG. Uh, and Transistor. Yeah, so that was, yeah. I'm not familiar with like most of these games. And the no. ones that like I'm familiar with, it's more like I kind of know what they're about, but I'm not percent sure yeah no these are these are the kind of things that i have heard of some of them but just i really don't know much about it uh but i do know that the bioshock the original one at least is set in an underwater city um yes i think the first two are okay so that's at least in the uh, in the background of the uh system shock game there um uh, Oh, okay. Is that? Yeah, I guess I didn't really like read these too closely. Like I said, I was just kind of. Eh. He says it's the spiritual successor. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Or vice versa. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up. One of them is the sequel to the other, or the spiritual successor to the other. Okay, Bioshock is more recent. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, Ben. Ben really went He's to town. Swear, he. Yeah. He. He is pushing for a Western RPG, which is a like an entire genre that I know very little about. Uh, and they're all, a lot of yeah, them what computers. Would, what's really considered a Western RPG? Well, yeah, it's like, like I, I don't, I, in place of the Final Fantasies and the Dragon Warriors, 
which were on Nintendo uh, or PlayStation later, right? These were mostly on computer, I think. So that's one thing yeah. that I think distinguishes them. Um, so a game like uh, Ultima uh, from way back when, um, or you know something along those lines, uh, there were like attempts to get basically like something along the lines of Dungeons and Dragons to work on a computer, right? right where you could uh, not have to do as much um, rolling of dice and calculating and arguing over the rules and stuff like that, which I don't know. I never really played any D&D, but my impression is that for a lot of people, that stuff is actually really fun. So yeah, I don't, I don't know much about the, uh, the computer RPG or the Western RPG because I never played, you know, growing up, I never played any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't know what characteristics would make an RPG a Western versus a Japanese. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously familiar with like Japanese RPGs, but yeah, I don't know, understand like the, the distinction between the two. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I know you're right because like, I mean, the, the Japanese, like, basically their RPGs came out of what you're talking about, like the computer programs that they were trying to do, yeah. um, like Dungeons and Dragons with. So it seems like they're both born or have like the same genesis. Yes, um, yes, yes. I think in um, in Dragon Warrior's case, I think the developer was uh, deliberately um, like influenced by whatever the more recent Western RPG was uh, that they were playing at that time. Um, and then Final Fantasy was like directly influenced by Dragon Warrior, uh, so the same kind of like, yeah, lineage there. Um, but uh, I think that they they're I think that they're simpler. You know, the the Western RPGs I think have more complexity to them, where the Japanese ones they kind of streamlined them a bit uh, to make them more accessible, uh, at least initially. Um, so yeah, I... in theory you could do a little more. Uh, choice, like player uh, choice is a little bit expanded in these computer ones. Um, yeah, I, and I know that like one of the defining features, especially in early Japanese RPGs, was like you had to grind. Um, <laughs> and I don't know like how that, like what culture that would like be okay with. Like who likes to grind in RPGs? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I know that that's at least early on. That was one of like the more defining characteristics of of Japanese RPGs. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Dragon Warrior series, I think, pretty pretty much sticks with that all the way through. Um, although I only ever played the first one and then a little bit of the like third, fourth, and fifth, I guess. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there's like a comfort I, to that for some people, you know, you just like, you know, that you'll eventually make progress. All you just have to do is put in a little bit of time. Uh, so, yeah. There's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there is, there's that like kind of positive feedback loop where yeah. you, you do something and then you get rewarded for it. Um, so yeah, I, I can, I can understand it. Like, those games went like uh, overboard um, in some instances. Yeah. 
And apparently Final Fantasy, the original, was just like a broken mess, kind of like Pokemon Red and Blue. <laughs> Where there's just like all these unintended like glitches and like certain statuses don't actually work. Or, and some of them like work opposite of what they're actually supposed to be doing. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but it's uh, I, I know like I've seen it before. It's like, damn, like that that really is broken. Like, they, like they're not like small things. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I think that um, I think that Greg and his dad used to play that. If you remember Greg, my neighbor. Um, oh, yeah, I remember Greg. They would they would either be playing Tetris or Final Fantasy. Like whenever I would go over there to play, um, but I don't remember much about the original Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much really. <laughs> it's classic. Like, what is it? You have to go and get like the the, the crystals that are like earth, wind, fire, yeah, or, you know, whatever. Earth, wind, uh, fire, and, 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 like, and the water. Boss. Yeah. Well, so we will have to read up on Ben's suggestions here and uh, hopefully he'll be able to drop in soon. It sounds like he is pretty well through his end of semester um, mayhem. That he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, so it sounds like he, he got to do a little bit of camping, um, got to do a little bit of reading and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, hopefully he'll be back in the swing of things here. Um, but yeah. yeah, did I, did I, did I tell you that there, uh, there's been like a new, uh, Nintendo Tetris strategy No, that's like changing the way the game is being played? What? So, you know, when, once you get to like a certain level in Tetris, it's like nearly impossible to like move the pieces quick enough so it's it's like really hard to get past like a certain point um but someone figured out a new way to like touch the buttons quicker so <laughs> like basically what they do is they like hold their thumb against the a or i don't know whatever button it is and they like use their other fingers to kind of like roll so that it taps like really quickly it's hard to to explain but like it's the guys just been like breaking Nintendo or like the Nintendo. It, it, this is only applicable to like Tetris on the Nintendo. Okay. Um, but like apparently he's he's setting all kinds of records using this new strategy. So people are like switching over to this new way of like holding the controller. So you can hit the over button. So you can hit the buttons like a lot quicker. Um, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think it's the D-pad that he's trying to hit. Um, super super quickly um so it it's i mean i find it interesting that what the game's been out for 30 years now and people are like now discovering strategies using yeah. like an old nintendo controller so you have to like physically change the orientation of how you hold the controller in order to do this new technique this like yes. tapping thing but isn't yes. it still like basically random at that point like you can't possibly like do it on purpose, can you? Once they're once they're falling that quickly towards the end of the game. I mean, they're they're really good. Uh, That's I, I, at a certain, I think like there's a certain point where like it just breaks down. 
Um, and there is like a, obviously the luck aspect of are you getting good pieces that you can get over. All right. But like before, it's it's basically just like extending the amount of time that a player could like conceivably continue playing the game. Okay. Like eventually it's going to get too fast, but but it's it's pushed it. I mean, again, the the the, pre, the person who's like refined it the most is just setting records like all the time. That's cool. Uh, getting past like level thirty. Yeah, I so on that topic, there was a conversation I heard recently uh, where an AI researcher was talking about computers who are trained by playing video games. Um, yes. And so they, you know, they can play the games better than any human in most cases, you know, most games that require like you're describing um, reflexes or like puzzle solving, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, okay, the guy's name was Sam Altman and this was on uh, Ezra Klein's show. So Ezra Klein was interviewing this guy, Sam Altman about AI and they were talking about uh, how this is like a form of cruelty for the AI uh like to to make them play video games that much um that this was causing some of the video game playing computer programs or whatever to like intentionally kill themselves at a certain point because they didn't want to play the game anymore um they were like so they had they had optimized the game to the point where they no longer wanted to try anymore uh so I, I find that like an interesting idea, but I don't I don't know quite what cruelty would mean in that context. Um, uh, well, that's yeah. So that, that seems extremely relevant to to near. Um, yeah. Where yeah, I guess I mean I guess there's a point where uh, what so basically we're saying like the artificial intelligence is so advanced that it's like knows what it's doing and it gets sick of it i, uh -huh. I don't know that it it's hard for me to like even wrap my head around us being able to create a system that would even i don't know develop that kind of aversion to something that it's programmed to do right right yeah um, that's interesting I'll, I'll have to look that up that that sounds actually fascinating yeah it's well i mean he talks to a lot of politicians and um he this Ezra Klein, uh, he's interested in a lot of kind of, uh, you know, mainstream discussions and things. But then he does sometimes bring on people uh, who are really more kind of avant-garde, you know, weird out there. Uh, and so this was kind of more along those lines. It was kind of building on a conversation he had earlier with a short story author also, uh, Ted Chang, who has this idea about sort of um, cruelty in the context of AI, like we shouldn't develop AI to the point where it could feel pain because we would be sure to inflict it on it. You know, it, very much a near automata kind of situation, like making the AI do things that we would never want to force humans to do. Um, but that, yeah, you know, we get away with because they're artificial intelligence. Um, yeah. So it's kind of rooted in that earlier episode as well. So I'll, I'll just post the, the link to those in there so 
Um, but the other thing, okay, the other thing that was kind of interesting was that the one area that computers were really struggling to do as well as humans was in a game, I don't remember the name of, but one where the whole point is sort of to just explore. Um, so this is like some Atari game that was uh, not like point-based the way most games were at that point, um, but instead just kind of had weird, fun, hidden stuff in it that the player could find by just kind of messing around and seeing what they could do. Um, so this was like the one game that the computer was not as good at the hum as the human at. Um, and so the AI had to be like adjusted to seek not high scores and like optimize, but instead to just seek novelty for its own sake. And once they did that, uh, then they got the AI to, you know, figure the game out basically. Um, so that I found interesting as well. Like, like you said, you know, you can program it not to just like run a program, but to like run the program of finding out new ways to run basically. <laughs> so it's like this kind of um, yeah. learning that takes place uh, within this, the system itself. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Well, that's, that's it. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause I, so wait, how, how did they develop it that they became like better searching for like the novelties and stuff? Like that, that well, so, that you said you yeah. like faded out. The specifics of how they did that, I don't know, but they took they took a page from um, like child development. Uh, apparently, like looking at how children solve problems and learn, um, they like they modeled it after that in the way that kids just like to find new stuff. And yeah, I don't know how that works exactly but that was the that was what i yeah. took away from it um so yeah thinking about yeah i mean at least with the before they were able to like i guess implant the childlike learning abilities you know it, it did kind of the, what you were talking about the before with kind of like the defined goal but their condition is you know finish the level as quickly as possible or get as many coins or get as many points or whatever like when you have that kind of defined win condition it kind of reminds me of like near where all these machines like had a job and then like as soon as their job was like complete they just exploded it's like well we're not needed anymore um, i'm not sure why that thought came to my mind but whatever that's that's fascinating i had no idea that ai had reached that level yeah um, of complexity exactly exactly um so i don't know like the the kind of applications of that currently are not like um you know killer robots so much but more like uh helping people get good diagnoses you know for what where they they wouldn't be able to necessarily go to a doctor but instead they have this ai that has all of the medical knowledge uh, at its fingertips so to speak um, and so it can like accurately diagnose, uh, what might be wrong, um, or, you know, stuff, stuff yeah, like that. that that's, I think, I think there was something like that in, um, uh, Virtue's last reward, right? Like that, I think they had the pods up there that yeah. they would just like scan your body and it would say like what was wrong. The medical, yeah. Facility. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I think we're basically there. Um, which again is like maybe a good thing, maybe not. Uh, we'll we'll see, I guess. Um, but there's definitely no going back. Uh, 
so I was going to um, kind of jump into the uh, the World's End Club, what I did since last week anyway. Um, speaking of the pods, uh, I think the big reveal that we get here, right? So last time the big reveal was like the twist that Vanilla is a ghost and only a couple of the kids can see her. Um, yes. But then, then the question sort of becomes, right, like on the one hand, like, so why can they see her? Why can no one else see her? Um, but also, like, so what happened to Vanilla? Like, how did she die? Um, what's the what's the backstory there? And so that's kind of what we get in in the portion in the next few like story portions. Uh, so I got up to basically the train. Um, they've they've okay. they found a train, and Pochi for some reason knows how to start the train. So um, that's where I left off. Uh, but right before that. Vanilla comes back, right? So they're like telling the story of uh, what happened to her, and um, and they're talking about like, you know, Pi uh, remembers the fact that the the mastermind was Vanilla all along, right? Of of all the people, uh, she was the one who masterminded the underwater amusement park sequence, um, and then Vanilla appears only to the same kids that she was visible to before and she like rejoins the the team at that point um so yeah i i don't know i kind of liked having that that interlude where she was absent uh it sort of like made the story feel a little more serious in some way um you know there was this mystery about like uh is she um you know is she really uh, helping our our team, or is she sort of more uh, sinister than that? Um, but now that she's back, it sort of like resets everything uh, back to the, that that mood, which is generally pretty enjoyable, right? Of like this kind of lighthearted um, road trip kind yeah, of so, feel. So remind, yeah, remind me again. Why did Vanilla leave? She disappears for no apparent reason uh, after it's like revealed that she is a ghost and that no one can hear her. It's almost yeah. like she's um, she's just like really sad that no one hears her, no one listens to her, and so she kind of just like vanishes. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. remember if it's more than that. Uh, no. I don't think so. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's hard because God, I should have, I, I didn't have time to like replay this section. So I don't know like what I'm safe talking about, like with, with what's going on with her. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're getting near the end of the game. Um, okay. Well, she, well, she reveals that she was, you know, in charge of the Pelope that was down there in the uh, Game of Fate. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yes, yes, yes. so that that Pelope is her responsibility. Uh, but yes, we also meet like a a <laughs> a, uh, a crab formed Pelope that's pretty scary. Uh, that apparently Vanilla has no 
knowledge of, like no um, uh, hand it's, in. It's like it's been taken. Yeah, yeah. And it's being controlled by someone else or something else. And they theorize that this is Mike, right? The um, This AI that has taken over basically society at this point. Um, now, how, how they leap to that conclusion, I'm not... I'm not really sure, uh, but they are like, oh, it's probably Mike um, that is running everything now. Uh, so yeah, super powerful AI. This is kind of germane, I think, to what we were talking about before. Uh, it allows you to kind of wave your hands and like have crazy things happen. Um, but uh, the mechanics of that are, are pretty unclear still. Uh, so my theory at this point is that Nioro's scientist father is the creator of the AI for Mike, um, and he knows that it's dangerous, and so he he like, you know, passes along this uh, this like password, whatever that that little badge is, that XXY badge, um, that can be used to shut it down, maybe, uh, or turn it to a, a good purpose or something like that. Um, that's one of the uh, letter systems that's going on here. But the other one, right, uh, we unlock Kansai's power in this segment. So when the crab attacks, it's Kansai who has to leap into action. Uh, and he like swings a bat really fast out of nowhere, uh, yeah, just yeah. like appears. Yeah. <laughs> So he's the the newest uh, member of like the awakened go getters, uh, and I think it's funny how they like point out that his bat just comes out of nowhere. It's like, where where did he keep it? And he's like, I'm not telling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's 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 quite a bit of like kind of self referential um, humor, like almost like fourth wall breaking humor, like yeah. that. Where it's like, I I, can, I think at one point. Um, they say like, "Oh, Rachel, you're like the the silent protagonist in the video <laughs> game." Um, so those kinds of things where it's just kind of like explained away. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, your your theory sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just I uh, man, <laughs> really should have prepared for this better. It's okay. Um, if you give away spoilers, I mean, I'm almost to the end of the game, like you said, so. It's no no sweat. I'll get there. Wes, we both know that you know that there's more than one ending to this game. Uh, there better be, yeah. Yeah, so when I say the end of the game, I mean like the end of your first playthrough. Okay. Although, oh, I forget. So have you gotten uh, Tatsun's power yet if you're on the train? Well, so Tatsun is becoming, he's becoming more important because there's like repeated references to how he is like the goody two-shoes who like follows the rules, right? Which I find yes. to like, I think that's kind of an interesting theme, right? Where um, the, these games, right? Like the game of fate is very rule-based. He's the first one to be eliminated <laughs> in it uh, because he's like trusting of other people, uh, even in his brainwashed state, right? But then, so they're like walking along the train tracks. He's like, oh, this is like really dangerous. We shouldn't do this. There's there's laws against this. And like, you know, we can't like drive the train. Like none of us has a, has a license. Um, so yeah, I think he's about to get his power is what I would guess. 
but I haven't yeah. got it yet. You know what? Yeah, hold on a second, because like, uh, let's, I'm gonna look up something real quick. But like, I going back to kind of what I talked about earlier represents a zodiac animal, right? Like, so the the Chinese zodiac, right? Right. They're saying they say that Tatsun's is is dragon, but like to me, I I thought it was like a sheep. Because he's so like electric. Who the hell is like? Yeah, so it's like you know, like two androids. Because that his power, he. I mean, I'm spoiler. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. He turns into like the Power Ranger thing. Yes, and the electro has, like, Ranger. Electrical abilities. <laughs> so to me, it's like you know, it, it's pretty clear that it's like do do androids dream of electric sheep, right? Like yeah, yeah. Which, you know, that's that book was turned. It well, was that turned into Blade Runner? I think so. I think it was the inspiration behind the movie, yeah. Yeah, which obviously had, you know, there's like artificial intelligence and that. So it's, you know, it's, and I've seen it referenced in other Japanese games. I think it was Mega Man 9, where it's like one of the robot masters was like a sheep that like shot electrical uh, (laughs) projectiles at you. So. Yeah, like uh, they said that his zodiac animal's a dragon, but to me, I thought he was a sheep um, because a he like followed the rules, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. blindly following someone that's sheepish behavior. He doesn't really like stick up for himself. Um, yeah, and the electric aspects of it, but that's fine. But like, I, 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 like I look at the fandom wiki, I'm like, I, I don't feel like it can be right. I feel like you uh, should you should probably create an account and get in there and and start writing the um that's, the corrections in there. that's all yeah tatsun uh tatsu as you represent yeah i don't know um no i'm way too lazy for that are you kidding me um <laughs> i but there, there's like a there's a couple of them where i'm like that doesn't like i'm like that's not the animal i thought that this person represented mm-hmm. like at all um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, I think the uh, the animal thing is kind of interesting too because um, you know there's there's no people around. Uh, there's really v- very few, if any, like animals left alive too. Like the only ones we've seen, I think, are some like deer or something grazing in the background, and then that rat or mouse or whatever that like bites Chuko and uh, she gets really sick for a minute there. Um, And there's, yeah, so there's like very little natural uh, life really. Like the whole city is overgrown with vines or whatever. Um, And there's monsters of course, but yeah, I guess the absence of more kind of ambient life is kind of striking to me, especially after like near where there's so many, you know, moose and boars and stuff just like running around uh, and fish and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, well, I, but if you recall uh, at the beginning of, of Nier, um, 2B I, I, kind of like commented on like, oh, wow, there, there are birds here. Right. And yeah. so, it, you know, the, the animals were coming back, but they, they were gone. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah. Yeah, this 
this game, I don't know, it's, I had a lot of theories going into it. Um, and again, I, like, I don't want to discuss it for like spoilers. I already told you that Tetsun becomes like an electric warrior. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause you're right. There's um like very little left of humanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget what what year is this game supposed to be taking place in? I think it's ninety six. Okay, I think like one of the days was your birthday. It was like July thirty first. Yeah, I noticed um, that. Yes, score. Um, and they just missed yours. I don't think that twenty six is in there. Yeah, it's a why do I keep on seeing like fireworks going off like randomly? across the river you that's weird you should definitely find out that if you're too lazy to go on and do fandom you can at least get out and see what the fireworks are for one of these nights that i think you gotta do well they're just like random it's like but who does that like (laughs) why just let off like one firework like i i really just don't understand like uh well we need something bigger than then like nothing, but we don't need more than one firework to celebrate <laughs> this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, who who have you encountered um, mm. so far in, in your playthrough? Oh, there's another one. Um, who so do you? I, you uh, well, I mean, you met up with the guy with the green hair. I forget his name. Yeah, right. Master. So, right. So, like, yeah, the master of the cult, the cult leader. Um, yes, the happy, happy cult. Exactly. Uh, and all those people have their letters on. Um, in flashbacks, we hear about Nyoro's father scientist. And we hear about uh, the... Wow, I, I completely forgot that Nero was the daughter of a scientist. Yes, as the daughter of a scientist, she's um, very <laughs> fond of rem- uh, remembering like very detailed scenes only the visual we get for it is like a single screenshot it's like the same screenshot over and over um of him at his computer it yeah i mean i don't know it's kind of endearing in some ways i like the you know like the comic strip style but um it does get a little old uh there's also the the coach so um kansai's baseball coach that he like looked up to so much um yes and then in another, in the flashback about Vanilla's death, we see all the kids as like younger versions. Only uh, Rachel's not there yet; like he hasn't moved and become part of the the crew, so he's absent. I think. Um, okay. Yeah. So I've seen, and Aniki's the one who looks the most different. He has like short hair, uh, and he's like yes. a very different person at that time as well. Uh, he's like more, you know, happy-go-lucky. Um, yeah, it was. You, you haven't unlocked his power yet, have you? No, no. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that you would have gotten that far. Or you don't, yeah, I don't think you took that path. Um, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I know what I was going to say. Oh. I think when Chuko gets that fever, mm-hmm. and they like show her, I think it's supposed to be like a, a, a callback to Akane and 999 uh, when she's on the boat and she gets the fever. Like, I think it's... I think it's like the same exact picture. Oh my god! Um, when she has her fever, 
Interesting. I did not make that connection at all. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, yeah, Chuko, her, yeah, her personality changes drastically uh, as well. She's like, you know, suddenly a really sympathetic character for a minute there. Um, and she, uh, you know, is one of the more like bashful in some ways, but also just like wears her heart on the sleeve kind of thing. Because, um, you know, after she's recovered, they're all walking along and the conversation turns to the various crushes that each of the characters has. Uh, so all the girls are talking amongst themselves and all the boys are talking amongst themselves um, about who yeah, they like. Yeah, I was, yeah, I meant to like, ask about that because it's, it's interesting. Right, right. Um, how, they, how they aren't necessarily reciprocated. Um, <laughs> right. Some of the girls, you know, they like the guy, and then the guy likes a different girl, and so it's. it's uh, I think it's interesting that they're kind of like exp that they're exploring that kind of aspect to the groups of friends and stuff like that, and all the romantic um, feelings that develop between them and how they kind of deal with it. Yeah, it's like let's no, no one wants to like date Mal Malchan, whatever <laughs> his name is. Not. Yeah, poor Malchan. And I think he was like going for like the best catch of them all, right? Like he he has a crush on Nioro. That's right. And everyone's kind of surprised. They're like, "Oh, I didn't think like she'd be your type or whatever." Um, yeah. So Nioro likes Pochi. I don't think Pochi yes. says who he likes. If he does, I don't remember. Um, and <laughs> Tatsun likes the Pink Ranger, of course. Uh, yeah. Is it? Pi and Aniki, they're the only ones that are reciprocated, I think. Uh, they like each other, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, I know that they do by the end of the... I thought at one point in time, Aniki said that, like, maybe... What, what's the other girl's name? Not Nero Or Chuko. There's Genu, the, like, talented one. Yes, um, I thought I thought maybe he liked her for a minute, but I I might just be misremembering it. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I I don't remember if she says who she likes either. Um, oh, and then Kansai likes Yuki. Right. Yes. So that's like the tragic part because like Chuko won't admit she like Kansai, but then Yuki's like, oh, like he's really cute. Like I like him, and she's like really scared. But then it turns out Yuki, you know, typical to her personality, she's just like very innocent and just means that she loves everybody basically um not like in a romantic way but just she's everybody's friend um and i it says in the like description of the characters that she's amnesiac so i don't think they like mention that at all but um she weirdly knows a lot about mushrooms for <laughs> for someone who like remembers nothing about her past um She's the one who knows about like the the properties of the mushrooms, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they can wait, yeah, wake up. Did, did you did you uh, how did you encounter Yuki? Well, she, she just was with the group. Yeah, yeah. So I I took okay. the path that isn't the one that meets her, but that right. you know we we meet up at the cult leader's place and she's there, and it's just like okay, got it. Okay, there's really very little yeah, so explanation so far. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll explain it more when you because you know, like I said, there's you have to play through it twice. So 
Well, actually, I don't know if you do. I think you do. I don't know. Interesting. You, you'll let me know. Like, I think you get to a certain point and they don't let you make a decision. Like, they present a decision to you, but you can only, they only allow you to choose one option. Okay. Like, one of the options. Like, they, it's, it's not, in, they, like, force you to pick one. Um, so, yeah, so you got to play through it again. And, like, yeah, you'll, you'll encounter Yuki and it'll give a better idea. Um, of her background story, obviously. Okay. Um, so that is explained. Uh, you just took the different path, so that's why you haven't encountered it yet. Yeah. But I'll just leave it at that. That's fine. I mean, I... I think this game is doing a nice job of, like, giving each of the characters their space, um, to, to sort of shine a little bit. And, you know, they build that into the mechanics to an extent with the different powers of the different characters. Um, the the way that they talk about their crushes uh, is really endearing. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as, you know, truly understanding uh, what it's like to be a middle school kid anymore um i don't know uh this game it's ki it's kind of set in that time period when we were that age and yeah. uh it it is like pretty on target with a lot of things but I, I i'm really curious what a kid playing this game would get from it you know if they would be really into that um if they would like if it would resonate with them or not um so i kind of i feel like i need to assign this to some of my middle school students uh, and, and get their take on it. I don't know what being a middle school kid is like these days, but I, f I feel like it's a bit different now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think even some of the problems that they encounter are different than uh, be like, no one has a, has a cell phone, right? Like, I mean, okay, let's just forget the fact that it, the, Basically, it seems like the whole world has been, the human population has been completely wiped out. Um, they don't have cell phones that can, like, talk to them even when they go in other groups. They have to use, like, the walkie-talkie. So their technology is limited. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, I can't believe that that's crazy to think about, like, 25 years ago. What we, like, had to deal with when, like, actually calling each other's house. <laughs> right. Um, right, and, like and, asking if someone was there, and like trying to coordinate plans, but if and like make sure everyone's like meeting up at the right time. Yeah, well, but if somebody was on the internet, unless you had like two separate phone lines to your house, you'd get a busy signal also. Right, so you like couldn't do both internet and phone at the same time. So you could like be on AOL, like doing chat, or you could like physically, you could you know, actually call and talk to somebody, but not both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the phone, if you picked it up while someone was connected to the internet, it was like the weirdest sound ever. The terrifying sound, yes, exactly. Uh... And you get cut off the internet anyway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh... you're right, like, uh, yeah, we're, we're 
20 years removed from from the age of these people yeah 20 25 so yeah it's like yeah it's hard to kind of like go back and put myself in that mind and obviously i think i i think there's definitely going to be similarities between our experience as kids and like the experience that kids in middle school are having now yeah but you're right like i I don't know Uh, social media probably does play a pretty big role um yeah in in the middle school experience now than obviously it did back then i think that would be one of the big takeaways that a kid would notice right they do make a big deal about that walkie-talkie and then the cell phone them like not knowing how to use it or what it is right so that the way that they're all cut off from technology um not just because of the like apocalypse that happened but just like they they literally just don't need those things or have never used those things uh i think that would be a a big difference um but then it's weird that like on the other hand you have this like super powerful ai and like a ghost girl who can somehow program uh you know a teleporting clown ai uh like within a year's time or whatever it is well we're all in her pods she like whips up this huge elaborate game of fate uh based on the movie they were watching in the in the bus together so yeah so there's definitely some stretches there as well um doesn't doesn't totally make sense that on the one hand you know nothing about cell phones but on the other hand you can like program uh super intelligent computers so i don't know i don't know yeah i guess you'll have to, you'll have to, you'll have to play to find out i guess so it's... yeah uh so so do you have any theories as to why only a couple of the people can see uh vanilla well yeah at this point i'm thinking that uh you know, they all seem to want to see her. So it's definitely not like a, um, you know, a feeling so much. And Rachel didn't know her at all. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't do it. Right. And that's kind of Aniki's beef with the whole thing. He's like, I loved her the most. Like I should be able to see her uh, and talk to her. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that they, um, they have, clearly they're each going to have their own individual power, right? Like that's special to them. But then there's these three of them that have this additional power of seeing what's not normally visible. Um, and the thing that, that Yuki just said uh, on the train is like, there's this other mushroom that will let us see them. So, so that's kind of the new suggestion is that like some of these powers are innate right? The power to like materialize a baseball bat or throw stuff really far or whatever. But then some of these powers maybe came from um, experimentation or just happening to eat some special mushroom or whatever, right? So there's, I I don't know, uh, something along those lines, right? Like some kind of chance thing where the three of them have all, you know, eaten the mushroom or whatever the equivalent is, you know, uh, whereas the other kids have not. that's that's kind of what I'm I, I think that I'm trusting Yuki um, but just because maybe she's very uh, you know she seems like she should be trustworthy at this point so yeah 
That's what I think. Interesting. It's all mushrooms. Uh, no further comment on that? Uh, well, I was trying to think if it's like similar. What was that one book where it's like uh, it was like a children's book, The Polar Express? I okay. think that was the one where like the kids could hear the bells, but the adults couldn't. That sounds right. And it was because of like their belief in, in magic or like, you know, in, in Santa Claus, like, you know, you grew up. And I think maybe that kind of, you know, I, I forget exactly what the mushrooms do, but it's, it's almost like, you know, the kid, I, I don't know. I think one of the theories I had when I was, was like playing was uh, like the, kids that could see uh -huh. vanilla like still believed in something oh, okay. more like it, it, it maybe the other kids like much matured quote unquote too much or they lost some sort of belief um and so they, that's why they they couldn't see her um interesting but i i feel like they always come up with like the weirdest way for these people to die like oh she was at a barbecue uh, right like she was at like a barbecue and ran out in front of a car and and because she was going to get marshmallows she she couldn't yes. have a barbecue without marshmallows and that's the thing on her wristband right so she's like kind of yes making a sly joke about her own death at that point i guess yeah yeah it is like kind of out of nowhere i don't know i feel like there might be more to that story um but yeah maybe Maybe it's just that random that, you know, bus hits or train hits or whatever it was. Yeah, well, like in Zero Time Dilemma, the guy just kept on talking about that stupid snail that, like, you know, because of a snail, it led to a chain of events that, <laughs> like, the world ended. Yeah. And it's like, it, yeah, it was like, it's like the deaths that, that, that they come up with these people are just so so weird to me um, in their games. Uh, you know, I'm guess I'm talking more about Uchikoshi because I've never played any of the Dogman Rampa games. Okay. But like, yeah, it's just like, oh, she ran out in front of a car and got hit. I don't know. I, thought, I felt like it could have been different. I, I just find it weird. Like, why would you pick that as the way that she yeah. would die? Anyway, I don't know. That's just kind of something like I, I thought about just kind no. of like a, a very gruesome way to, to die, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think that, that that's kind of one of the big questions still, too, is what happened to all the people? Because there's no, like, living people anywhere um, except for the cult. And, you know, maybe whoever left the, like, right before Chuko gets bit, she's looking at a flyer about, um, you know, if you're still around, like, come to this place, whatever. Uh but then there's not like any dead bodies either. So like, where did everybody go? Um, that's, that's kind of another mystery that's hanging over the whole game. And so, right. It, yeah, it seems interest. The game seems interested in questions about like death, but also, uh, you know, what happens after that? You know, where, where, where do we go? So to speak. Um, with you know vanilla being yeah, the ghost it's, it's, yeah yeah because the, the cities for the most part I, I you know aside from like growth 
um, of, of plants and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like they're really, it's not like there's evidence of a bomb going off, right? It's no, not like yeah. they were destroyed. Um, it's more like the humans just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, which you're right. I mean, that is a question that needs to be answered. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you'll see. I mean, you'll, you'll obviously learn it as you play some more. But yeah, it, it's very eerie, right? To be going to all those cities with, with, and there's like nothing there. Like I try to put myself in that sh- in those like shoes, and I don't. Eh. It's creepy. Just be so creepy. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think we're gonna do some camping pretty soon. So we'll be going. You know, it's not it's not scary to like be alone out in nature. To me, at least, it's like that's normal. That's that makes sense. But to but to be alone in a place where there's normally a lot of people, like even if you just go to like a school or a stadium or something like that when it's empty, it's like a, it's an, it's an eerie experience. Um, yeah. Well, cause it's like the opposite of what you expect. It's, it's yeah. just, I guess your brain is just kind of programmed to be like, this is wrong, right? Like I'm on edge <laughs> right. because this is not how it's supposed to be. Like there's something up. You get that kind of like gut feeling. Yes. Um, well, even, even an empty yeah. house, you know, an empty house is like a scary thing. It always, there's something a little off about it. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. So, and when I go into my office um, on the weekend sometimes to work and like no one's there, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Because then when I do hear a noise, I always imagine the worst. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm always like trying to figure out like, okay, well, if this is an intruder, like where's my the closest like weapon that I can use? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why anyone would be coming to my office. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, and we have, uh, yeah, luckily we don't usually get clients that are that want to inflict physical harm on us. <laughs> um, when I was in South Carolina, where I played, we were playing golf. With, we got like paired up with this attorney in New Mexico, and uh, he was he showed me a video of one of his clients who like drove through his lobby oh. and he had like the you know one of the like ring cameras or whatever and yeah it was just <laughs> and apparently it was like it was intentional obviously and like, yeah the guy just like drove his truck right through the lobby like late at night oh my god um, yeah so that was uh so that was so that was weird but he does divorce well so i can see why he makes yeah. enemies doing yeah. what he does no, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna guess he he must be in one of those more lively areas, not the. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess it could get kind of contentious potentially uh, with a legacy or a will or whatever. But uh, but yeah, the divorce court. That's that's or the you know maybe a child uh, protective services and stuff could be could be a little hairier. Ooh. Well, and luckily, our my building's on the second floor, so <laughs> it would be hard for them to get the car up there to drive it through our lobby. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, there there's certainly people that we've probably pissed off in the past, but yeah, nothing has been nothing's been like so emotional that they that they've come to exact their revenge um, on us That's at cool. our office. Do, so you are know, you... knock on wood, I say that. Are you going to have to go back to the office full-time at some point, or are you always going to be able to just um, do part-time from now on? 
Dude, I've been going into the office every day. Oh, so you always have been full-time? For like the past year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I think I tried working from home for two weeks, but I just don't have the setup um, to, you know, like when I'm reading stuff, proofreading, I like to like print it out. Oh, okay. But the documents that we print are like 50 pages. So right. I'd have to get a really nice... Uh, like fast printer to deal with that and mm-hmm. then I'd have to like steal paper from work to use it there <laughs> and then also there's just something about like being able to walk over um, to, my, to my colleague's desk and like you know talking things over with him rather than like having to do it via zoom or yeah. some kind of like go to meet you know where we're like sharing a screen it's easier just to, like bounce ideas off oh, for sure. so yeah, yeah I've been going into the office full-time since last April or I guess two Aprils ago. Oh my god! April twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, distant it's not bad. time. I like it. It's fun. They buy us lunch. Oh well, that's yeah. I would be sold. <laughs> uh, well, the prob the problem is, like the woman who is in charge, like the 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 secretary who's like in charge of it. She, <sighs> She keeps on picking these like diners to get like lunch from, and I know it's hard to like look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, because you know I can order anything I want off the menu, but there's like only so many times I can like eat diner food. Why does she get um, to pick? Why, why don't you guys take turns or something, or do like rock paper scissors? Listen, I would. She's the one that coordinates it. Uh-huh. So what we used to do was we would. She would like tell us what restaurant we're eating from, and everyone would just kind of like respond to her, and then she would all put that all, you know, uh, coordinated and like, you know.